Hello everyone, my name is Monica Gleberman, and you're listening to Silence On Set Podcast. On today's podcast, we're talking to the cast of The Pale Blue Eye. The movie takes place in West Point in 1830. In the early hours of a gray winter morning, a cadet is found dead. But after the body arrives at the morgue, tragedy becomes savage when it's discovered that the young man's heart has been skillfully removed. Fearing irreparable damage to the military academy, its leaders turn to a local detective, Augustus Landor, to solve the murder. Stymed by the cadet's code of silence, Landor enlists the help of one of its own to pursue the case. An eccentric cadet with a disdain for the rigors of the military. And a petulance for poetry. A young man named Edgar Allan Poe. Based on the novel by Louis Bayard, The Pale Blue Eye is directed by Scott Cooper and stars an acclaimed supporting cast. So to talk about the film, here's Christian Bale and Harry Melling. It is so great to meet you guys. I'm so excited because the movie's so good. Uh, um, thank you very much. I want to start off really quickly with, um, for you, Christian, I was just talking to Scott and I said, this was 10 years in the making. How did you guys decide when to do it? And he said that he had a conversation with you and he gave a very hilarious kind of mock accent of how you talk and said, you know, that was the time because of your age and because of just certain factors. So I wanted to hear from you kind of why you decided that now was the time for this film to come out. Well, first off, does Scott do any good of an accent? <laughs> um, he said, he was like, um, yeah, we should do it now, mate. No, he's just added mate. <laughs> mate. <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Scott was just waiting, looking at me, waiting to get more wrinkles, more crow's feet, <laughs> more gray hair, more gray in the beard, and to become uh, just a, a grumpier git um, who dislikes people. So clearly that's what he saw in me and at this moment went, right, you've nailed it now. Let's go. You can play Landor. Yeah, he's like, you don't have to act that much now. You just roll right in. <laughs> well, for both of you, these characters in the beginning could not be more different for me. Augustus is very meticulous, very by the book, one, two, three, looking at specific things. Whereas Edgar is very all over the place and kind of the wild child and the loner. However, as the film goes on, you guys merge. So I wanted to know for both of you, how is it building that relationship? Because it really depends, this whole movie, no pressure, depends on the relationship between the two of you. And you guys pulled it off so beautifully. So was there anything that you did to make that happen? Thank you. Um, well, I think they're both outsiders, which was definitely my understanding of it. They're both outsiders. And perhaps that is the thing that draws them together. Certainly from Poe's perspective, he's looking for a sense of home and belonging because, like you said, he is this scattered sort of creature who's performing here and then um, sort of trying to do something in the military academy over here, trying to write over here. So he's very scattered in terms of how he operates. And, and I think he constantly is searching for that sense of belonging, that sense of home. And I think he finds it in Landor. And um, hopefully the relationship that you see in the film is is that this this very tender gentle relationship uh, between these two uh, people that both need something from each other and then for you know, each of your characters there's secrets that are hidden right that you guys kind of have to go through there's tragedy and just various things so as an actor how do you prepare for that when you're reading it are there certain things that you do to make sure that that comes across in a very authentic way so i guess i'll start with christian 
Yeah, you consider it, but mostly, you know, that's the direction. Sometimes, depending on the director's style, giving choices within each take, and then he has those choices in the edit room. Scott tends to be very precise and articulate about what he's after, though he's, he tends to have the entire picture already fully formed in, in his mind. And then obviously he's open to pleasant surprises that, that he'll add, but uh, he knows what he's after. And so, yeah, just, you know, take by take, brick by brick, you, uh, you figure it out. There's always a nice sense, there's always a sense <laughs> at the end of uh, any film that I've ever done that you go, oh, man, now I know it. <laughs> Wish we could go back and start again. I don't know that it would actually be any better of a film um, at that point, though, because you've already discovered it. There's a nice thing to thinking you know what the film is about, but then truly discovering it as you make it. And uh, I think that's an enjoyable thing to, to watch and brings uh, life to every scene. Um, um, Harry, is there anything for you for prep? Uh, well, yeah, just going off what Christian said, I think when I was um, much younger, I always wanted to try and get it right. I wanted to try and, you know, make the right decision, do the take that was right. And the more I do this, I think I realise that actually that's a really bad way of going about it. You just want to be open to the process of it all. And, and that was very much how I found the entire shoot was, was very much, obviously you're working with, with brilliant actors like Christian and, and, and the rest of the cast. And you just try and wait for things to reveal themselves in, in the scenes and, and uh, see where Scott's sort of directing you in terms of maybe lean this way a bit more on this moment and then you just sort of see how it all pans out and it was a it was a real wonderful experience in, in that sense well i just want to thank both of you guys this film is fantastic the relationship between you two is so beautiful so well done i saw nothing coming when i was watching it and i just think you know christian i've watched you my whole life i think you're fantastic this film i mean harry you blew me out of the water like <laughs> i just beyond words and I cannot wait for people to see this I think this is such a great film and you guys tell such a great story and I just want to thank you guys for giving that to us that's very kind of you thank you thank you so much have a great rest of the day up next to talk about the film is writer and director Scott Cooper I'm so excited to talk with you I've loved so many of your films so I'm so excited oh thanks Monica um, I wanted yep. to ask you, I did some research, so I know that this film has been sitting with you for quite a bit of time. So I wanted to start off with, first of all, how did you get invested in working on this? And now a decade later, what made now the right time for this film to come out? Well, much like Edgar Allan Poe himself, um, I spent my formative years in the state of Virginia. I was born there. My father taught English and literature. And after my first film, Crazy Heart, my father just happened to send me the novel, The Pale Blue Eye. He said, it's fascinating that this author, Louis Bayard, has placed young Edgar Allan Poe at the center of a detective story, a genre that he bequeathed to us. I read the novel for pleasure and I thought, my God, this can make for a really compelling film. This can essentially be an Edgar Allan Poe origin story, that the events that take place in this two-hour movie really motivated him to become the writer that we all know and love. So I wrote it just after Crazy Heart. I didn't really have an actor in mind. I then went off and made five other movies, in that time two with Christian Bale, who became my closest collaborator and, and closest friend. This is now our third film together. And about 10 years ago, I sent him the screenplay. I said, what do you think of this? 
And he said, Nate, it's bloody great. And he was too young, really, to play the part. He was too old for Poe, too young for Augustus Landor, the detective. So he kind of aged perfectly into the part, and I tailored it for him, and here we are. <laughs> How did Christian take it when you were like, well, we want you to get a little older? <laughs> well, the great thing with Christian is, I mean, look, let's be honest. He's probably the top choice for every director making a film with a character in his age group because he's so incredibly good. So, so often I'll send him a screenplay and he'll say, I love this, but let's make it in three years. He doesn't want to work, he has other things he's doing. But in this case, uh, I think it always stuck with him that at the right time, he would know it. And we discussed it maybe a year ago and he said, let's do it, and off we went. It's so well done. And the way, I mean, everything from, and I'm so nitpicky, everything from the colors, the clothing, just every single thing that you guys kind of added, the tones, the cinematic views, just everything that you did. Were all of that to help you hide the secrets that every single kind of character has? That's right. That's right, because in, in most of Poe's work, nobody is whom they appear to be. And that's certainly true for this film. Everybody has a secret. The way I approach this movie is that everybody has a public life, everybody has a private life, and everybody has a secret life. And that really applies to all of these characters. So then I work with my, uh, my crew that I normally work with to create an aesthetic world and a tone that really speaks to the gothic nature of Poe's work. And that's shooting in these kind of barren, wintry landscapes that feel uh, at once uh, beautiful, but also beguiling and, 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 and quite brutal. A lot of candlelit interiors because that was the only light source apart from a lantern or a fire. So it really helped us create a tone that I think really speaks to who Poe became as a writer. So that when people see this film, they're transported from 2022 or 2023 into 1830 and they don't question it. Yeah, you don't question it at all because you're just like in the world. You did such a great job like creating it. Um, I wanted to ask you, what are you hoping fans take away from this film? There are so many fans of yours. There's fans of obviously this amazing cast that you were able to put together. So what are you hoping that they kind of walk away from it with is about like about Edgar Allan Poe about well a couple of things I think I hope that that this film inspires people to pick up Poe's poetry or his fiction because if people like true crime which they do today or they like detective stories well that all came from Edgar Allan Poe he essentially uh, created characters that then became Sherlock Holmes that then became all of the characters that that we love in true crime or in detective fiction uh, so Poe is the progenitor of all of that, firstly. And secondly, I hope that people find Harry Melling to be uh, a compelling actor because I think he's so wonderful as young Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, people know Christian Bale, they know Gillian Anderson and Robert Duvall, but I hope that the other cast uh, uh, inspire people as well. Well, I want to thank you so much. It's so good. I could talk to you for an hour, but I'll get yelled at. <laughs> but it's such a great film. So congratulations. And I can't wait for people to see it. Uh, thank you so much. And finally, here's Lucy Bonton and Harry Lotti. Hi, it's Monica Clearman. <clears throat> I'm with Time Warner Entertainment and Sound Sunset. I'm so excited to see you guys. You're so good. So it's so nice to meet you. Nice thank to you meet so you too. Much. 
I just want to jump in. So I want to ask you guys in terms of preparation as actors, how did you guys prepare for the relationship between the two of you throughout the film? And were there certain things that you both had to do to rationalize some of the decisions your characters make as the movie goes on to make it work for you as an actor? Definitely. I think what's important to remember in terms of the relationship that Artemis and Leah have is that it's very crucial that you kind of view it in the context of its time. You know, the film's set in 1830 and in many ways that's a period of history that bears almost like no relation to the, the culture and the society that we live in now and the, and the everyday issues that, that we face. But there's something universal about the struggle of this family and if you kind of tap into that then the kind of the urgency and the desperation that kind of might motivate some strange choices becomes rational to you. And um, ultimately, it's a relationship that, where these two people are like intimately bound by, by love and also by a sense of shame as well, which is a strange and kind of potent combination. And what was it like for you, Lucy? Like, same type of thing to prepare? Because she has some of the most dramatic kind of stuff that happens throughout the film. Try not to give spoilers away, but... Yeah, I think... I mean, you always go in from that point of view of, like, trying to find access to the empathy for your character and and it was oddly easy to find with her I think that's such a credit to the writing and the construction of all of the characters and in terms of the family it's they live in such an isolated environment so it, you start to understand the level of intimacy and codependence that they all have and I think we all came with this understanding that they are incredibly tightly knit and oddly tactile in ways that <laughs> make it more like fun and intriguing for the audience. But, but I don't know that you that you can justify when, like Harry said, you look at the context of of their life and, and their surroundings. And and again, that's how you I think access emo uh, empathy for those for the characters themselves, where you where you really understand the context for their actions and understand what drives them and that starts to unlock the reasons for the way that they behave the way they do. Yeah, I think like both of these characters and, and the family themselves, like the film takes place at Westport Academy, a very kind of interesting juncture in that institution's history, but this family are like cocooned in mm. that environment. The, their father is the resident physician for the academy Artemis is, is, a, is a cadet, they live on campus, like it's, uh, they're, they're kind of wedded to it in a very kind of dedicated and intimate way. And, and I think if you're that close to an institution like that, that is so kind of intent on, um, on tradition and on uh, the way in which you present, mm. it's, it's always gonna breed a sense of kind of secrecy and, and always gonna deprive a sense of connection to the outside world. And so they're kind of all they have in, in this mini universe that they live in. And so through that lens, it kind of begins to make sense. And then what was it like for both of you in terms of storytelling? Because when you read the script, the two of your characters, so Leah and um, uh, Artemis, are both kind of pushing the story forward. A lot of it relies on the two of you, no pressure. <laughs> but what did you guys, um, you know, as an actor, when you're reading this like script, how do you kind of work that out? Do you block that out? Do you just worry scene to scene? Or are there certain things that you want to make sure that you keep in the film, you know, in your brain as you kind of go through it? I think in this genre, you're, and kind of the horror or gothic, well, horror genre, I think you're invited to be much more aware of the audience's experience of your character and, and of their arc and the unraveling of the story. 
so I think it's a, kind of a different experience than usual in, in becoming much more analytical about how much you reveal and when. And therefore, I think I usually start from the end in a way and then work back. And then you filter how much information you want to give early on and, um, and, and how much your character is also revealing. I mean, as Harry said, so much about that era and about the, these characters is, a, is about presentation over everything else. Um, and the importance of that. And so it's you get to play with what your character is presenting versus when they're alone or when they're within the intimacy of their family, who they really are. Um, and that's just so much fun to figure out, I think. Well, I want to thank you guys so much. You did such a great job. It's such a great movie. I cannot wait for everyone to see it, but I'm so excited to talk with both of you because, I mean, you guys were unrecognizable. I mean, that's how great your performances were. So I just want to say congratulations, and I can't wait for everyone to see it. Thank, Thank you, you very so much. much. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great rest of the day, you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to the cast of The Pale Blue Eye talk about the film and what you can expect when you go see it. It's currently in select theaters now and will be available on Netflix starting January 6th. So make sure you go and check it out. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you're updated on all of our latest podcasts. And head over to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe, so you're updated on all of our video content.